0: You're listening to the Australian Hunting and Beyond Podcast with Matt. Where we talk about hunting, shooting, fishing, camping and everything else that the Great Outdoors has to offer. Let's get into it. I'm super excited about this one because... As a PE teacher, we look at, you know, adversity and resilience and this story, this gentleman I've got on tonight, he's the epitome of this. Um, i yeah, I just can't wait to, to get right into it. So tonight, Derek DeMunn is with us all the way over from the US and I believe it's California. Am I right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Mate, people in Australia probably don't know you, but- I've been following him for a while and it's pretty inspirational. I will say that. And I'm a big fan because it highlights to me a couple of things. A, your ability and your resilience, which is amazing. And then secondly, the hunting and shooting sports are just so inclusive. So let's get into you and what's your story. So you go by the T8 Outdoorsman and – I'm going to take a stab at it. Being a PE teacher and, and knowing a bit about anatomy, your uh, the T8 part is the thoracic vertebrae, and number eight is probably what has been damaged. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I broke yeah I broke the T8 vertebrae in about like eight or nine pieces. It was called a, a catastrophic spinal cord injury and a a burst fracture. So when I when it broke, it you know it went all kinds of different pieces. They had the glue me back together and, uh, yeah, T8, I figured you know, make, make the
0: most of it while I, you know. Yeah, well, it works. It makes sense. And as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, that, that makes sense to me. I don't know if, you know, people that aren't as up to speed with anatomy might know, but yeah. it's, it's one of those things. I don't think people understand how delicate the spinal cord is. And, and when I teach my students, we talk about how the spinal cords consistency could be sort of related to that of toothpaste, So it is pretty easy to damage it and then be like yourself in a wheelchair and a paraplegic now. How did the accident happen?
1: So I used to travel the world snowboarding. I was, you know, from 17 years old all the way out to uh, I got hurt at 21. I was just jumping from continent to continent, uh, driven all over the United States, moved out to Australia, lived out there for six months, and then came back here and was working a side job to uh get a plane ticket down to new zealand and uh yeah just happened to slip off it was it was a hot day it was a gravel roof and i stepped back and the gravel gave out underneath me and i just tipped off right over the side and it landed landed on my shoulders with my feet up in the air so if you can you know your feet up in the air and you land and it just went like that the spine broke and uh instantly i knew instantly i was paralyzed and uh yeah, it was tough man. It was tough first couple years, dude. Not going to lie. It was absolutely catastrophic. But um eventually over time things just you know, you realize you got you know, you got to pick 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 your head up, pick your feet up and just just keep going, you know. No one, no one out here's going to save you. You know, you got you got to do it on your own. People are out there they'll help you. They'll give you a hand, they'll lead you, they'll show you the direction you got to go, but it's up to you to find that inner strength and to um yeah it's just to find the resilience and just keep on keep it on keep on going
0: and hey, mate, credit to you because you, you have um as i said embodied that and, and showing that so that's really great to see um australia you were here for a bit and i believe you when we were talking you were saying the snowy
1: mountains yeah i lived i lived in the the ski town of uh Jindabine. yeah great spot beautiful man my I had my balcony was overlooking the lake and uh it was just gorgeous and I was out there and I was I was 19 years old and worked up uh I was I was a dishwasher I I you know I got to snowboard all day wash dishes for five six hours at night at that point in my life was like if I had food and a roof over my head that's all I cared about I you know like that's that's all that mattered to me so yeah, I worked. Uh, I was riding up at Parisha, and uh, it was fun, man. It was it was a great time. A lot of great memories out there. A lot of cool people too.
0: Mate, it is such a beautiful spot, and I uh, I tend to hunt, do most of my hunting on public land down in the snowy mountains, and. It's oh, I just love it down there, and I'm a big uh, snow skier. I've I've never done the snowboard thing because people have sort of told me that it's a bit harder than skiing, and, and I just picked up skiing. So it is on the bucket list to try um, and get the, the get the. I've got a couple of little kids, so get them down there and get them into it because it's it's bloody awesome. I don't know if you would have known, but because oh, it's been a while now. How old are you now?
1: 35.
0: Okay. So, and you were here at 19. So, we're talking a 16-year uh, a period. The area now is riddled with deer. Really? It is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, fallow deer are probably the main ones down there. And when you're driving up to the mountain, so I used to stay halfway up the mountain, and you'd be driving up of a night, and you just, oh, my God, the deer there and some of the racks on them, it's just awesome it's it's cool to see now and um oh man it's it's just such a great spot it's great part of the world the trout fishing the scenery the yeah it's just all over it's it's bloody amazing so you've got some cool stories so full transparency here, i'm still chasing my first deer and i'm uh you know doing it doing it tough and in the hard yards and not been successful just yet getting close which has been such an awesome journey and i am similar to yourself i've been an adult onset hunter i believe you were you took up hunting after the injury is that correct
1: yeah yeah i took it up uh, my first hunt was about 3 or 4 years post injury
0: how did that come about where, where did you you know had you always wanted to dabble in hunting is it just because you love the outdoor pursuits being you know a snowboarder and traveling the world for that
1: yeah. So I always, so when I was a snowboarder, I, I was doing a lot of back country and I was just, I was getting way out miles into the back country. And out here we have all kinds of critters out here. You know, we've got moose and bears, and deer, sheep, goats, all wide range. And I was always constantly seeing them and then, you know, trying to creep up as close as you possibly can and just doing all that. So I, I always had like the, the itch to you know start harvesting my own animals and start feeding my family off natural game and stuff from the land and uh yeah I always had that always had that itch to do it and then when I got hurt I had told my uncle my uncle's a big hunter out here down in one of our states of Arizona and uh and he had come across an opportunity that he did, he did some work for a family friend and his family the family friend had some property and um the guy's like, you instead of paying you cash would they be able to give you a hunt? My uncle's like, Yeah, that's great but my nephew, da 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 in a wheelchair would really like to get out there and try it and the guy's like, Yeah, come on out, you know and i went out there and I harvested my first uh female white tailed deer, a little doe and um after that it, it was on and because you know, going from snowboarding and chasing that adrenaline rush and then being completely shut off from that avenue and having like this desire to seek adrenaline but not have anywhere to find it and then once I you know once I was able to take my first animal and the 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 dump of adrenaline and dopamine all at one time, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm I'm going all over the world, I'm doing it all now. Like I'm hooked. Yeah. So a couple of years later here I am.
0: That, that's awesome. I love it. It's um well, talking of bears, so our very first episode for this podcast was uh, we had Clint from the States, and he had a real close run-in to the point where he hit the, uh, a grizzly through the head with an ice pick as it was chasing the guide. Um, it was bloody cool. You've had a bit of a uh, a running with bears too, haven't you?
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah, upstate. I ran into a couple of bears, but my upstate bear in a, in a in – a, a state we have in maine it's it's on the Canadian border about two hours from the canadian border and uh it's a it's a baited hunt, so what they do is they have these big giant barrels about the size size of a trash bin um probably three and a half feet high and the 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 guy I was hunting with he was friends with the local pastry maker so at the end of the day, the guy would get rid of all his his donuts and his pastries and stuff like that. So the outfitter, the guy whose property I was hunting on, got to take all those donuts, filled the trash can up, and uh, yeah, we're, sit- we're sitting there, me and my dad, and we're sitting. I'm I'm sitting leaning up against a tree, and my dad is no more than four or five feet to my left, leaning up against another tree. A bear comes out, quiet as can be. You can't. These things are silent. Those paws are super soft. And he he was on us in a in a heartbeat. And then, so we're watching him, watching him. He goes and he grabs his donut, and he goes about ten ten feet to the left, or probably I'm trying to think. Y'all go by meters out there. Oh it's, yeah, it's three three meters. Let's <laughs> go three meters. He went three meters off to the off to the left and was eating his donut and then i don't know the proper term for it but he le- he had this loud yelp he's like Woof! and he turned around 180 degrees and ran as fast as he could well what's 180 degrees down range of this bear is me and my dad <laughs> and every foot paw that hit the ground was thud, thud 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 like you could feel the earth move like every like it's boom and we're like oh shoot and this thing was on us like that so about from where we were sitting to where that that barrel of donuts was and the bear was was probably 11 meters um so this bear was on us like that he was he got to it he got to within five feet of us and he didn't know we were there because we were camouflaged we had our scent killer We're we're hiding behind our little makeshift. We put branches and trees in front of us to kind of give that depth perception of us looking natural. And, uh, and he got within five, feet. he was going to run right between me and my dad. And like I said, me and my dad are no long, no more than a meter apart. Like we were super close to each other. And he, if he would have hit my dad, like my dad was leaning up against a tree and that bear was running full speed. If he would have hit my dad, you know, you got a, a fast moving object running against something that's still. It, my dad would have been dusted. He he would have been definitely broken bones. All oh, he would have been very injured. So what had happened is he got about two feet out from me, and I go, I threw my hands up, like, "Hey, bear!" and I screamed it. And this bear hits his brakes, all four feet at once, kicks up all this dirt and and sticks. And my dad, my dad, you know, goes like this for all the dirt and stuff like that. The bear looks up at me. And his, he's already scared from whatever scared him downrange to make him turn and run. His eyes were the size of, you know, shoot, his eyes were huge. And he looked at me and he he was scared and went and he turned. But when he turned, he turned right. What's laying there is my dad. So my dad's back is up against the tree and his legs are out like that. So my dad's sitting like that against the tree and his legs are flat like that. My dad's hands are up due to the due to all the debris getting thrown in his face. And the bear turns ninety degrees and what's ninety degrees to his right is my dad. So this bear jump thinking my dad's a log or something, he jumps over my dad and and brushes up against my dad's arms. That's how close this bear got. His fur brushes up against my dad's arm. My dad's arm's like this. Bear gets over and he takes off running. Just takes off running. And I look down at my dad. I'm like, my, my dad's just staring at the ground like this. I'm like, Dad, Dad, Dad. <laughs> and like that, the fourth time, my dad just looks up at me and goes, "That was a big bear." I'm just spooked. I've never seen him so scared in my life. Like, my dad's eyes were that big. Now he's like, "That was a big bear, dude." I just died laughing. I almost peed myself. I was laughing so hard. He, was, he wished my dad. Would, his hands are like shaking dude those big bears like I, he's like i've never been that close that thing was right on me his fur brushed up against me da, 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 da. but what it spooked that bear was another bear that came in so we're both pumping on adrenaline and we're like oh my gosh no way did that just happened and this other bear comes in he's not much the first bear was probably i don't i don't know Out. We go by pounds out here. It's probably 110 pounds. I don't know what that is in kilos. Probably, uh,
0: probably 45 kilos somewhere around there.
1: Yeah, so something like that. And then um, the the other one was not much bigger. Let's go 50 kilos. And um and I have so much adrenaline pumping through my body. And then I, I go and I I put my optic I put my optic up on on the deer. And I, I got that scope that close to my face. And when I when I shot the net. The bear, that next bear that came in, I was like, oh, he's bigger. I'm taking him. And I did that, and the scope smacked me right in the face, and it split. It split. I don't know if you can see it. It split me right here, right down the face, dude. And I have a video on my Instagram. I'm leaking blood off my nose, off my chin. It's all in my teeth. I'm wiping it like this, trying to get it off of my face. You know, I got blood all over me. But I'm I'm cloud nine I'm like, I just shot a big bear like oh, I'm s so, i am so was super stoked, dude. Like it was so funny and I'm like covered in blood. I'm like, Dad, dude, my dad's behind me. He's like, Yeah, dude like we get up we get up to the next we get up to see the bear. He's not much bigger, but he's a little tiny bear. I'm like, Oh darn dude, like this thing's the size of like a dog. I'm like, but whatever, it it was it, it's the adventure and it's the storyline. You know what I mean? Like it was insane. It was, it was, it was a cool story. And the, but the thing that bugs me the most about that is I had a GoPro on me, a GoPro head mount, and I look, I was looking at it before I got out of the car, and I was like, I'm just gonna leave this here on the dashboard. Dude, if I would have had that GoPro on my head to catch that entire sequence, oh my gosh, it would have been epic footage. I kick myself to this day and I'd never go out into the field without a camera strapped to my head. Lesson learned. lesson learned.
0: <laughs> that would be cool footage. I am absolutely fascinated with bees and especially Beautiful. close encounters. And I, um, yeah, I just froth on it to be honest, but man, I can understand your dad just, having it brush past him in shock. That's uh I don't think it matters how big or small the bear is. That's a full-on turn of events. And especially I think yesterday I saw that um two hikers and their dog were killed by a grizzly um somewhere over there and and there was another one. Um happens a lot. Yeah, it happens quite often. And it's very funny. It's it's such a I look at it and go I hear Americans generally say, "Oh, you guys have got so many dangerous animals because we got snakes." And it's like, "Man, they they're tiny and realistically, you can wear gaiters to protect yourself and I'd much rather deal with snakes any day of the week than over there. You've got bears and wolves and mountain Mountains. lions and yeah, man, like such a different level of, uh, of predators. Whereas the snakes not really, you know, predating on humans, you might step on it and it might, you know, aggravate it. That's, that's probably where they're going to attack you, but they're not actively hunting you out. Like some of those other things you guys face over there.
1: That's uh, yeah, it's a different. Level. I am. I'm like, most of the time bears will will especially black bears they're the smaller the smaller species of bears they will most likely take off running unless you know you're a mo- it's a mom guarding its cubs or guarding a food source brown bears and grizzly bears are are more they'll more stand up to the they'll they'll tend to run too but they'll more stand up and and uh Defend, defend themselves on their own because they're absolutely gigantic animals, man. But um, I would say mountain lions are the, for me personally, the scariest predator out there because they are so quiet, so silent. They'll be 10 feet above you laying on a rock just watching you and you'll have no idea it's there. It'll walk up beside you. It'll creep behind you. Just being super quiet with their paws, just silent, just super stealthy, and just yeah, they're they're a, a sketchy animal, but they're it's, um, beautiful, beautiful creatures.
0: Oh, and, and big, they, I don't think people realize how big they can get. And I uh, I remember seeing uh, Derek Wolf, he's ex Denver Broncos player, the mountain lion he took, and he's a big boy. You know, he's on the uh, defensive team there, and and he's a big unit, and him holding this damn thing it was just massive and he took it with a bow which is pretty cool mate you don't just hunt with the rifle you use a bow and a crossbow as well and what's your favorite out of those and why
1: i would say my compound bow just because it's a whole with the rifle you can you can shoot something out way off in the distance you know that's not but the bow and arrow is it's a whole nother game of stealth and it gets you closer to the animal. You have to be quieter. Your camouflage and your scent has to be way more on point because obviously because you're that much closer to the animal. I mean, crossbows are cool too, but I'm not going to lie. Crossbows tend to scare me, man, because they got, there's a lot of power back in that cord, And if you accidentally hit something you're not supposed to, and that thing shoots off, Um, my uncle took off his thumb. I had a friend take off the tip of his finger. Those, those things are no joke. So I tend to stay with my, my bow and arrow, my compound bow. And, uh, it just, it just gets the, the skill level and the, the challenge is That's, that's what we're there for. You know what I mean? Yeah, we can get an animal. We can, you know, we can kill, we could do whatever, but it's, it's the adventure it's the silence it's the being out in nature and just you know yeah man it's it's the bow and arrow is definitely my my route to go definitely been blessed to take a couple animals with that and uh i got one with a crossbow too don't get me wrong but it's uh yeah the bow and arrow i think it, it's a lot funner
0: i yeah uh, i feel you there i love just shooting it I I've, i can do it here at home and it's just just so peaceful and relaxing when you're just getting out there and letting arrows fly. And it's something therapeutic. That, um, it is, it's thoroughly enjoyable and you touched on it there too, just being out in nature. Like I, um, I was sitting there the other day cause I've, I went for a hunt last week and it was just, I come from a city. I'm, I'm guessing you're similar over there in in Cali, and it's hustle and bustle. It's fast paced. It's you know you're just you're always on the move, and especially nowadays, just technology. And you know, there's there's positives because you and I are talking now from the other side of the world, and that's a, a great thing. But then I also love that disconnect and getting away from the tech and just going out to the bush. And I tend to pick those spots on um, where I hunt, which hasn't got. reception and it hasn't you know I am disconnected because then you just get out there and you see things that just like you know one of my favorite all-time experiences was I was just sitting there and I had an echidna just walk up and go through my legs um, because I was just a part of the bush it didn't even know I was there and you know things like that there's so many people you sit there and go you know how many people has that happened to and that's the beauty of what we do—just being out there—and and then the the rest of it's just on top of that's a bonus for me. Like I just I love that adventure, as you said, getting out there and and putting yourself amongst nature. It's just so great. What have you harvested, and what has been your favorite? Because I I'm dying. I've been over the states a couple of times, and the wife lived there for a couple of months, and we uh, she 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 was in New York City, so. We did a bit of a travel, went up north, and and that was cool because I saw a heap of whitetail deer. We drove up to the Grand Canyon. Not Grand Canyon, sorry. Drove up to Niagara Falls and uh, seen a heap of whitetail. I was sitting, you know, when we were going up, that was so cool, just seeing all these awesome deer. And then I'm super fascinated and I love turkey hunting, just watching it and the gobbling and things like that. And then the elk are just next level. You know what have you been able to harvest over there, and what is also on the list?
1: So I've—I uh, don't know if you can see that right there is my first archery kill. That's an an antelope. It goes by antelope, pronghorn, speed goat. Um, they got they got several several different names, and then that's a whitetail buck. That's my biggest white tail. I've gotten several whitetails, several antelope i've gotten a black that black bear that i told you the story about um i got a, a, a big hog we have a really bad hog problem out here in the southern states and i got about is 350 i go by pounds um kilos. That's all good. just
0: throw the pounds it's 2.2 2 pounds per kilo yeah
1: it's a 350 pounds a giant giant pig um i got a an alligator I got an alligator with a, with a harpoon and a cross crossbow and a harpoon. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been putting up so far. Um, I've got an, I've got an elk. I got a a female elk. That's a, a strictly meat hunt. You know, I'm not going for any big racks or anything like that. Just putting food in the freezer for the family. Uh, and then this, this winter I got, we're going, we got a, it's a cow's deer. An or a coos deer, however you want to say it, it's a sub small a species of sub white tail. It's the west. It's the westernmost white tail species found in America, and it's, it's they're they're small. They're a small deer. They're called gray ghosts for a reason. They're gray in color, and the the terrain they stay in is gray. So it's they, they'll creep around. I got that going on, and I got a axis deer coming down here in a state we got called texas and and then another another cow elk hunt and that's this year and then the spring springtime is a whole nother ball game i'm going to try to go for a bear i want to get a bigger bear because i see I, I look at my bear he's, he's up there in the corner on the roof and he's not very big and i'm like oh, man I shot, I shot a baby bear This, so and i gotta i gotta go fill some freezer meat because that, that bear meat is very delicious it's good a lot of people talk talk down on it but i'm I'm a big
0: fan of it. Yeah, it's on the list for me to try, that's for sure. You uh, you mentioned Texas there, and I know we've been talking. You're more NHL, but I'm a, a massive NFL or Gridiron fan, and I go for the Dallas Cowboys, which has been a, a rough ride over the last few years, but that's cool. Uh, playing a bit better this season. We're, uh, you know, looking all right, So, but it's only round four, so it's early days. Um, man, some of the ranches and some of the gear out there, some of the animals, oh my God, just like Neil guy and you just name it. That looks, I think on my list is to get out to Texas and whether it be hogs or it be, um, just the the vast array of animals out there. Have you done much hunting around the Texas area?
1: Yeah. So I got to do my funnest hunt of my life was out in Texas. I got to do hog hunting out of a helicopter. Oh yeah, we're flying around it, flying around the helicopter and the uh, the pilot's ex-military. So I'm expecting a nice calm fly. This guy's like, like going all sideways. I'm like, whoa, bro, like, relax, man. All I have is a big seatbelt on me, dude, but hanging out the end, and it's just it was just wide wide open, you know, unlimited ammo, unlimited hogs. There's so many hogs, and I didn't know the damage that those things are doing. To the terrain but they're they're destroying people's properties they're killing off all the, the uh the cattle like they're they're eating all the food and i've heard stories of them snatching children and eating they'll they'll yeah they're they'll go and they'll have like two or three litters a year up to like nine pigs at a time so you can imagine just the the domino effect of that and um been doing that but yeah i definitely i'm going out there actually in december for those access to So the cool thing about texas is that they have a lot of exotic ranches like a lot of these animals that you see over in africa or oh, you can find them in texas as well so if you don't have that kind of money to go down to africa and all the it it ends up being a lot of money with the airplane the stay the hunt the taxidermy all that ends up so you go to Texas and a lot of these ranches have these exotic animals out there and um, so I'm excited to go out there you know and touch t- touch base on that that terrain again and see see what I can uh, fill my freezer with
0: yeah that's cool I uh, yeah I'm envious that Texas is just. I, I guess if there's any spot in the world I could probably want to live a, apart from where I do, it would be Texas. I think it's it's got everything that I want, whether it be the hunting, whether it be the uh, the footy, you name it. I definitely know about pigs. We have a, a feral pig problem down here, and they are everywhere. And as I said, I was just out the last um, last week hunting in the Snowies, and I didn't see any pigs. Uh, got a few on game on my trail cams, but I just man. They turn up the ground and it's so easy to see their diggings and the damage that they do. And as you said, they breed prolifically like it's, it's nuts. Yeah. I was watching a video the other week because a lot of people don't understand, you know, that they'll eat a vast array of whether it be carrion or... or actually live animals and I saw one taking, you know, baby lambs and uh, eating baby lambs out here. So you can understand why the farmers don't want them on their properties and, and how much damage they do as well and competing for food and there's just a whole vast array of issues with those pigs. Mate, let's talk about your dad because he's on your trips and I think that's pretty cool because he's, he's similar to my old man. He doesn't hunt but he's there – with you for the journey and filming and the like how did that all come about and yeah let's let's talk about that
1: so yeah he uh my dad doesn't doesn't hire anything he's got he's got a little he's got an eye an eye problem so he can't really see when shooting optics and looking through both sites and stuff so he did he tags along and uh you know with me being in the wheelchair like i do i can i do most my life on my own and but there's some times you know where i need help getting pushed through the forest you know like going on a wheelchair and you got your arms and you're going over logs and sticks and rocks and boulders it's tough man like there's a lot of times where i'm like i i can't do it i you gotta humble yourself and but as pops comes in you know pops is there logistically and he gets just as stoked when i harvest something as if it was himself you know because first off he gets to eat it he's a great cook so he gets to eat it as well but then he like he enjoys he just enjoys the travel you know like just going like what i said earlier you go out you go out in the morning and it's pitch black out and there's not a sound maybe you hear crickets and grasshoppers and stuff like that but then once the sun comes up you know, the birds start chirping, the little squirrels and the animals come out, the deer start coming out. You see the world wake up and that's not something you really get to see living where we do personally in, it's not really a city, it's more of a, like a suburban, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's a, he He just likes getting away as well, you know, and like when I go on my hunts, I, I save up a lot of money for is he he was he's been taking me surfing snowboarding my whole life he spent countless amounts of money on me personally so now that i'm able to provide financially as well so i i like to take him along just to be like hey you scratched my back now it's my turn to scratch yours dude so we go out we go out on the blind and and we we sit there and you know like you ain't sitting here for free bro you're gonna you're gonna film this you know what i mean so like Get him up, get him behind the camera, and he he enjoys it. But it it then it's just cool to to have somebody along with you, along for the ride, to to enjoy those memories together. You know what I mean? Because like when I harvested my alligator from a boat, like he was holding on to my chair while the alligators hitting our boat and our boats rocking back and forth. My dad's holding my chair, and I'm like holding this harpoon, like oh, trying not to fall in the water and it's just those little things like you can it's like, yeah, you can tell a story to someone, but if you have somebody that's there to cooperate your story and just get just as excited as you are about that story, it means a lot more, you know what I mean? So it, it's just a lot of fun having him, bringing him along. And uh, yeah, he's cool. Cool hunting partner. I like him. He's a good, good guy. It's special
0: because I sit there and go, you know, that, that journey and, and all the things you get to do together, that's pretty cool. And, I can see the benefit to it and what a win and, and making those memories so that you've always got them. That's pretty cool. The alligator, what's, uh, what's going on there? Like that's, that's, that's different, that's something big, different.
1: Yeah, it was insane. It was insane. So I went down to Florida me and my dad flew down to Florida and we hunted a lake called Lake Okeechobee. And it's actually the biggest body of water outside of the great lakes in, in North America. So, um, we get in there and we're, we're on, we're on a boat and I'm not sure the terminology of the boat, but we're on, so there's the front of the boat that's elevated and then it drops down where, you know, where you drive your boat. But, um, we come across and, you know, we're, we're glassing for alligators and I've never been alligator hunting. So I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, I'm just seeing logs and bushes and stuff in the water. And I saw my first alligator. I saw my first alligator. I was like, "That's cool." And then I scan over, and there's just gators everywhere. Like Lake Okeechobee has the largest population of alligators, I think, in the world, and um, just alligators everywhere. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, we go and we find a a big one and a a big boy, and uh, we go and the way the way that we were hunting them is they have a a raw chicken, and they have uh, this like line wrapped around the chicken, and they have it attached to fishing line it's about 300 300 pound test three four hundred pound test they use it for like big bluefin tunas and marlin and stuff like that and then they have it on a giant fishing rod and then we go so we drop that chicken and we drive probably 300 yards past the alligator and you bounce that chicken up and down with your fishing rod like you're jigging for for fish you know and bounce the the gator feels that vibration on the water comes up and boom nabs it throws his head back swallows it so then we go and we turn on our trolling motor on the boat and we creep up right on we get right on top of that gator because after they swallow that chicken or their food in general they'll go down to the bottom of the lake and they'll just lay there and they'll let their body and their their gut dissolve whatever they have just eaten so they go we go right on top of it reel this thing up and it's like 400 pounds i i couldn't do it because uh, where my injuries at, I don't have very good core strength. My my ab muscles aren't really there anymore, so like I couldn't do it. So I handed the rod off to to our buddy. He got it up to the top, and right when he got up to the top, I had a crossbow. And so on an alligator, you're supposed to aim right behind the eyes. There's a diamond where their brain is, and you want to hit that brain spot to take them out as soon as you can, because you do not want an angry alligator knowing that it's 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 fighting for its life and they're going to fight you know it's it's a dinosaur it's a dinosaur it's a straight up dinosaur and um so i i popped it I and mean, when i shot it the the gator kind of jumped up and i missed i missed that spot on the head and the arrow went through one cheek and out the other man he did not like that this guy started thrashing his tail bam bam hitting up against the boat Every We had like probably like five people on the boat. Everyone's holding on to something. My dad's holding on to me. I'm holding on for dear life to my wheelchair just praying my dad doesn't go in because if he goes in, I'm going in. And I got a pissed off alligator there. I'm like, oh, this ain't going to lie. This ain't working out very well, dude. So we go and then he goes. The alligator kind of calms down and we bring him around and the outfitter hands me a harpoon. It was probably a seven foot rod with, with a big... With a big broadhead on the tip of it, and I threw the I threw the harpoon, and I got I got him I got him in the good spot I got him in the good spot, and uh, and he was kind kind of dazed. I didn't get it quite get him perfectly, so they they brought him up close to the boat, and they had what's called a bang stick. It's about a six foot metal rod with a shotgun shell, or in this case, we had a three fifty seven magnum shell at the very end, and you you stab it, but you, you know you stab it right in that brain part you stab it and that bullet goes off inside, inside whatever you just hit. So bang, you know, it goes, it goes off right inside of his head, water splashing all over me and this, I thing bellied up and we got him to the, got him up to the boat. Outfitter goes up. He has a, a roll of electric tape, wraps his mouth shut. Cause that's the last thing you want opening up at the last second. You know, when you're bringing him on board is the business end of the deal, dude. And uh brought him up on the boat threw him up on the boat and uh he, he was about as long as the boat we were on a 19 foot boat and this gator measured out 11 foot 6 inches so it's close to 12 feet it was a big boy i have that entire encounter of that alligator hunt on my instagram if anyone interested here and would look watching it um yeah it's uh it's on there and it's it's pretty pretty intense and you know, what? like when everything's happening, like you're thinking like, oh my gosh, this is like 10, 15 minutes long. But in real life, it was probably four or five minutes, maybe, you know, like, but um, it all happened so quick. And like, I can remember every detail. I remember what, what kind of birds were chirping, the, the water, like, you know, like, what was I wearing? What my dad was wearing? Everything. You can remember everything. All the little details are like etched in your memory forever and ever. And so... It was intense, man, and like so the the only part of the alligator that's really edible are the cheeks, and the tail. You can eat most of the alligator. I know there's probably gonna be some alligator hunters out there. Oh, you can eat the whole thing, but uh, um, and my what I was able to do when we skinned it out, it was like a really strong rubber, like the entire alligator is just like a rubber. Like the things the things made to kill. It's a it's a dinosaur, and it's an absolute lethal machine you know and so i just kept the tail and i kept the cheeks and um i just i don't have a you can deep fry a lot of it that's how most people eat the alligator but uh yeah he's a a beautiful beautiful critter i went and i i got him turned into a rug i got a i got an 11 foot alligator rug on my wall i'm actually looking at him right now like just beautiful beautiful animal just I didn't know like how often am I going to go and hunt a dinosaur? You know, I want to do it justice. So I, yeah, he's he's just beautiful animal. Intense, intense situation. It was just another another cool story in the in the books for sure.
0: We have crocodiles down here, obviously, salties and freshies, and um, they are one of my favorite meats to eat. The tail, as you were saying, just tail steaks is just fantastic. I sort of say it's a bit of a cross between chicken and fish. In flavour and, and similar sort of texture as well, I suppose if you had a combination, because they're down here, we have them as uh, you know classified as a protected species, like most of our native animals. They just breed and breed, and as you said, they're like a dinosaur. They're the perfect killing machine um, that's just been perfected over generations, and their their numbers are so big, and I it always shocks me a little bit as to why we don't harvest them or have some sort of um, you know, selling hunts to to be able to harvest them and utilize both the animal and their meat. We instead we breed them in farms and things like that for for that purpose. And it's uh, yeah, it, it's always been something that I sort of struggle with. Going, we've got this perfectly sustainable resource out in the bush, but instead we're going to farm it and let that no- because nothing's killing them. They are the apex predator and. I I sit there and go. I am a big fan of the North American conservation model. I love what you guys do over there with the tag system and the money going back into conservation and the tax on all the uh, ammunition and firearms that go to it too. It makes sense, and you know it's just such a a great contribution that hunters make back to the the, the wilderness. That's that's a win for everybody in in my mind. Mate, you've got some cool stories and you've had some pretty cool experiences. What has been some of the other side of the coin, some of the challenges being in a wheelchair and hunting? Because, you know, I'm, I'll am i put my hand up and say there's times when I'm walking up hills, I'm noisy and, and things like that. I can't even imagine what it would be like in a wheelchair to be out hunting compared, you know, because I, I battle sometimes myself.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tend to stay away from hills, obviously. Um I'll stick to ravines and flatlands and I tend to aim more for, um, food sources and water sources. And, uh, yeah, th- so that's the main thing is having a wheelchair that's able to access that kind of terrain. My first, my first wheelchair was not, it's, it's a regular wheelchair. The problem is, is wheelchairs have four wheels. You got your big wheels that you sit on. And then where your feet go, you have a little tiny wheel, and those are called your casters. Those tiny wheels are the ones that dig into the ground and prevent you from going places. So I've had to, you know, save up money, invest, engineer one to where now my off-road chair I got casters that are the size of a basketball, pretty close, and uh, that helps out. But yeah, it's a, a lot of it is just the terrain. There's a lot of terrain that we're not really you can't access i'm I'm gonna be real like you could you could don't get me wrong where there's a will there's a way but um i like to do a lot of solo hunting where i just drive my truck out and get in my chair and figure it out from there you know what i mean and um so just just fighting fighting uphill terrain um and then like just like logistics, when you're going to hotel rooms and stuff like that, you gotta make sure everything's handicap accessible, blah blah blah, you know, like you wanna make sure you get able to get into the restroom. A lot of the doors and places are skinny, and your chair's that wide, and the door's only that wide and run into a lot of problems like that, and then it's just mainly it's just the the travel dude. the the getting the getting around and it's it's a humbling experience. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, man. Like there's a lot of, a lot of pros to getting out into the field, but it's also like a strong reminder that like, Hey dude, you're in a wheelchair, bro. Like you're not, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, where, when all you want to do, I mean like there's a level of humbleness dude that you have to realize that you're not going to be able to just get up and hike. Like, Oh, there's a, a deer's way up there like cool he's way up what am i gonna do about it you know what i mean like i can't get out there and walk but now like what i i've also just recently invested in it's called a track chair i don't know if y'all have heard of that i haven't no it's a wheelchair and instead of the wheel it's like it's like a triangle but it's like tank treads like an army tank oh, and yeah Treads on them and they have and they have uh um, motors on them and they, with those you can smash up hills and they got little joystick You smash up those. So I can't wait to get one of the, to get that and to see where I could get deep and with, the, with one of those. And um, see, cause I have, I have several fans, friends out here. We're in a, we're, we got a nice little community going on of us outdoors, outdoors men who are disabled and in wheelchairs. And uh, several of my friends have them. And like they, it, it's a, it's a game changer. It just gets you to a lot of places where you, Like I'm, I'm a big gym guy. I go to the gym. I try to work out as much as I possibly can so I could be as fit as possibly can. So I can get myself into positions to hunt. That's my whole reason. Like, I don't care about looking good. I don't care about being skinny. Like I want to be strong. I want to be able to push myself into spots that I need to get to to accomplish my goal. I got a goal out there and you know, my, my family's, Dedicated or believing in me to bring home food for them, so I'm gonna do whatever I possibly can. And um, yeah, I was just say I'll just say the logistics behind the type of wheelchair you're able to access and have. And with with that new wheelchair I'm, I've got and the other wheelchair I've, I've got, I'm going to start. From my goal out here is to personally open up an outdoorsman outfitter type deal to help people in wheelchairs be able to get out there and just just to be able be able to hunt, be able to do what they can do with these wheelchairs, because I don't want I don't want to have my wheelchair and then me sitting on my wheelchair when there's somebody out there in my position. Like, man, I wish I could do that, but I don't have the opportunity or the right equipment. Well I got the right equipment, so you contact me and we'll we're gonna get it done, dude. We're gonna get out there. We might not get an animal of a man, but I will get you out there, and we're gonna we're gonna freaking crank on it, dude. So I would say I would say more is about the logistics behind your your equipment. Yeah, I
0: love it. I love that advocacy for you know people like yourself and wanting to expose them to nature and give them opportunities. That's just such a, a fantastic thing. You touched on there, and I was able to resonate a little bit. Like obviously that you know we're obviously different, but. The humble side of it, and I, I get that from nature, like when you're out there and you're in the middle of nowhere and you sit there and go, hey, if something goes wrong here, I'm in big trouble. You're <laughs> like, not the
1: top dog. You know, you're not the top you're dog.
0: You're not. Ever. No, and, and that it, it does give you that sense of you know, humility and understanding that you know for all the great things that humans have, we can still be so vulnerable, and I love that sensation or that feeling because you don't really get it in your day-to-day life so I can see that connection not only with what you um, you know face on a day-to-day basis being in a wheelchair but then also in the wilderness or in the bush as well it does make a lot of sense and look you also touch on there I I love the gym I've got a gym here at home and because as a PE teacher, it's been a, a passion of mine. I've been a bit slack since I had twins and uh, that was a hell of a ride because you know I, I was stupid enough to think, oh, just two, they'll be right. It's only double the nappies and, and it didn't work that way. They'll sleep at the same time that didn't work that way. And so I, uh, I haven't been as good as I, I wanted to be, but they're getting older now. So I'm back in the gym and back running and I, I just love it. And it... It is the driving force too. I, I look at it similar to you, setting those milestones or those goals to be as fit as possible so that when you get out there for a hunt, you are in as best shape you can be to make it more enjoyable and to do more of it because you do get those smaller windows. Well, I do anyway. I, I tend to you know, only have a small window in the school holidays to get away and go for a hunt. I don't want to waste that because I'm I'm injured or I'm sore because I went out and climbed mountains for half a day. and. That's one of the big ones for me. Does that really help drive you to the next hunt? And that's the focus point to hit the gym and, and keep training?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, just to see, like, it's the competitive nature behind dudes as well. Like, I see my friends in wheelchairs or whatnot, or not even wheelchair, but, you know. I see these guys harvest these animals. I'm like, man, like, I want to do that. You know what I mean? There's There's so many things where people are like, oh, you're in a wheelchair. You can't do that. You're in a chair. And I'm like, all right. I'll take you up on that one like and I just like, like like prove people wrong so I that's definitely something uh yeah it's it's just that that it's like well it's adventure you know what's around the corner you know like I've never been here I want to go there I I can't I've never done that I want to do that and it's just uh yeah seek seeking that next that next adventure, because like I said, like I used to travel the world snowboarding and adrenaline and stuff like that. And like once you're in that kind of mind state, and you're like that's what you seek after. Like it does, it doesn't leave you. You're 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 on the grind, and you seek out that that feeling, you know. And like like you said, like being here at home, it's like you get complacent. You know, it's easy to get complacent, and complacency is an incredibly addictive drug. Comfort, being comfortable is nice like laying back on the couch watching tv or whatever eating a bowl of ice cream like it's nice you can enjoy it and you could make a career out of it dude so it, it could go downhill really fast but i like i like being out there and doing stuff that frankly like scares me you know like i like going out there and like man like the only way you're gonna grow and and grow in life is by doing stuff that scares you. You know, you gotta you gotta overcome your fear. And then once you do that and you're able to overcome that fear, then you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad. And then you move on to the next fear or you move on to the next adventure that's just calling for you. You know, there's just so much out this world is huge. God made this world massive and He gave us all this opportunities and stuff to do. And to sit back and not, and just sit on your butt and not do anything is kind of like a spit in his face, dude. And like, I'm like, I want to go out there and like, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. Like, I wish I wasn't. Like, it is what it is. But you take, you take up the mantle, you pick your pants up, you fasten your belt, you get out there and you, you get, you hop on that bowl and you ride it, dude. And you make, you make the most of this life. Cause like I said, no one's here to save you. No one's going to come back here. Here's a dose of fun Enjoy. It's like, no, like you got to get up, get out, figure out your logistics, figure out your problems. What what problems are you going to run into? Like pick your butt up, you get out there and you figure it out like, that's why I, I, I go along with my dad sometimes, you know, I bring him along sometimes and it's uh, we run into problems. like, all right, let's stick our heads together. Let's figure out a way to get through this. And you know, it, it might be a, a Jimmy rigged situation where like we got by, with you know with some fishing line a a toothbrush and an apple you know what i mean but we made it work you make you make things work if if you're dedicated enough to to your goal you'll make it work you'll figure it out you'll grind away until you get there you'll get there eventually just just like i say just just keep rolling man you just got to keep rolling don't stop
0: i love the mindset and i love the positivity and resilience that you show and Man, you've done some cool things because there's a lot of people that probably haven't done half of what you've done and they're not in a wheelchair. And that, you know, amazes me when I sit there and say, you know, how many people just are addicted to sitting on the couch and just watching the idiot box day in, day out. And and that's easy, as you said, and complacency is really easy to get into that that routine that's not great for you. But you're not doing that. You've got more obstacles than someone else might have but you're taking upon that challenge. Your I love the the reality and your ability to say, "Hey, yeah, this sucks a little bit. Do I wish I was in a wheelchair? No, but hey, it is what it is. I'm just going to deal with it." You know. So true. Props to you, man. That's such a a positive thing and uh you know from a role model perspective uh, that's fantastic and i really do wish you the best and hope you get up that outfitters and and get other people in similar situations um, and let them have the ability to experience what you have and do some of the cool stuff that you've done because as i said there's a lot of the population that haven't done that and they probably never will so you're definitely ahead of the curve for that
1: so yeah i come across a lot of people who like, oh, I wish I can do that. I wish I could do that. And I asked him, like, so what's, what's stopping you, dude? Like, why can't you do that? Oh, I don't know. I just, I you know, I got to pet my cat. My cat's allergic to onions. I got to pet him so he's okay. And I'm like, dude, like, you can make excuses for everything. Like, excuses are easy to come by. They're easy to throw out there. They're easy to pick up. And it's like. That's you know, that's what it that's what it's about, dude. Like excuses. Are you gonna make an excuse or are you gonna make or are you gonna handle it, dude? You know, put up or shut up. So
0: mate, I love it. Inspirational to say the least. I uh I really appreciate your time today coming on the podcast. I have loved watching your journey and I most definitely will continue. I hope at some stage down the future we can get you on again and, and see what's new and what's been happening and any last things to send out to the people of Australia or, mind you, we do have a, a worldwide listenership, so any messages for them?
1: Yeah, well, dude, there's, like I said, you guys, you can make an excuse. It is what it is. Life's going to throw challenges at you. Life's going to throw lemons and hard balls at you. You take you take them, dude. You, you muscle through them and you, get, and you you get through to the next day. That's what it is. It's a day after day. Um, are you are you gonna make excuses or you're you're only here for so long. Each day is a new day. You're gonna die eventually. It's it's a given. You know, it's it's just as the sun rises one day, you're gonna die. So um get out there, have fun, you know. Just go out there, hug a tree, be who cares what it is, dude. Like life is beautiful. There's so much nature out there. Go out and sit in nature. It, it It'll make you happy, you know what I mean? And if you guys want to check, check out what I got going on, I'm on Instagram at T8 underscore outdoorsman. So that's T8 underscore outdoorsman. I'm trying to live my life and just help people with disabilities and just live life. There's a lot of life to live out there, and I want to do my best to uh, to show you all how it's done. So check it out.
0: And, mate, you're doing a fantastic job. So, mate, keep doing what you're doing. There'll be all the links in the show notes anyway, so you'll be able to just click on there and, and it'll take you straight over to Derek's Instagram and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll obviously link everything up on my Instagram as well. Mate, really appreciate your time. It's um, it's such an inspirational story. I'm so glad we've had the opportunity to, uh, to talk today and keep doing what you're doing. Cannot wait to see where your journey takes you. And, mate, yeah, keep on keeping on. Love it.
1: Thanks, bro. I appreciate you having me, man. It's cool. I'm glad we finally got to do
0: this. Yeah, it's been cool. Really enjoyed it. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Bye for now. If you have a topic, guest, question, or any gear that you want to hear about on the podcast, shoot us an email Australianhuntingandbeyond at gmail.com. Alternatively, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. If you haven't already, Make sure you give us a review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on.
1: Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.